The goddamn tape's rolling. Let's go. 11 o'clock comics, episode 68. One more till we have to roll out the plastic sheeting and party games. I haven't practiced in my uh, like the price we on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like the shocker. Yeah, only no, with, extra, with a little, a little something extra. I've heard that if you don't perform it precisely, you'll get land, you'll land in the hospital with. It's the it's it's the sexual it's analogous sexually analogous to um, the sushi chef serving blowfish. You know how specific part of the meat. If, if you do the price in the wrong spot, lordy begordy. Yep, it's like the malachi crunch. <laughs> There's that's going back, isn't it? Yeah. What's this? Hey, I'm the Fonz. Hello, everybody. It's eleven o'clock comics. I'm Vince B, and I am surrounded by Transformers and Star Wars figures. Am wow. I a geek or what? Broken to a Toys R Us. You are a geek or what? I love it though. Love my plastic. Do we uh, do, do? Do we have crickets in lieu of the person who's not here? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Christopher <laughs> Neesman. <laughs> no. I hate everything. God damn it! Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, Chris, Chris cannot be here this week for right now. Right because now. his internets are down, yeah. so yes, he may is. join us later on. He may not join us, so we're going to get They're, as many uh, digs as possible is. in before that. Time. They are Comcastic, is what's going on over there in his area in Chicago. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm 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 David Price, and I wish I was Adrian Tomine. Really? Somebody got their DCBS box, didn't they? Nope. You didn't order his uh, collection. Well, let's 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 carry on with the show, and I'll get to that eventually. No, you're not, Adrian Tomine, or is it Tomine? Tomine, you Tomine. I have no idea. Yeah, he's awesome, and you are definitely not him. Although you're kind of <laughs> awesome yourself. You sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of now. You are Jason Wood. Everybody, what's up, bitches? Three out of four is not bad, and as usual. Maybe we should cut DCBS a break because there's only three. They're not getting their money's worth this week. We, (laughs) as if they did any week, we are sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. What kind of discounts do they have, Jason? Wumba. Wumba. Spectacular, huge-ass discounts on your favorite comics and comic-related items. 35, 45, 50, sometimes 75% off books that's their special deals and they wrap them and pack them securely and gently and gingerly put them in the box and they are delivered right to your door they are the best service in the business dcbservice.com look them up you will not be sorry you ain't lying yeah. that's money so we should do the drink roll call i'll pretend i'm chris can i do that sure so da- so da- david david w- what are you drinking drink roll call uh, red stag and ginger ale oh that's pretty good i've had that um, it's kind of a bitter aftertaste on the on the on the palate. Maybe effervescent. I don't know what I'm talking about. Little, 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 it's got good mouthfeel. Little bit. Yes. 
It's it's very it's a very particular brew. I usually like to drink that on leap years, but no, any time is good for alcohol. I, so. I, I I couldn't have said it better myself. Mr. Wood, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a shamrock. And what does that consist of? Funny you should ask, Vince. It is funny. It is a good, plentiful amount of Irish whiskey. Uh, yep. In my case, I'm drinking Bushmills, but any of your choice would be fine. Uh, Jameson, whatever is good. A little bit, and a lot of people put a lot of it, but I just like a little bit of cream de menthe, some cream, and a little bit of vermouth. Shake wow. it up, drink it. It's usually served in a martini glass. I'm just sipping it in a little whiskey glass here because I'm lazy, and uh, and sip away. It's good. That's quite the concoction. That's pretty cool. Well, I figure I, I allowed myself one drink a week for you wacky gents uh, these uh-huh. days, so I figure I make, make myself a little something, uh, keeping it ethnic, if you know what I'm saying. Man, keeping making it real me feel bad. Irish peeps and... Uh, and, you know, drinking it, drinking it. I am drinking Agua de la Playa. No, de la Mesa. Uh, water from the desk? I forgot my Spanish. Is Mesa desk? Um, no, it's... Uh, well, I'm drinking water, and it's on the desk. So hmm. whatever the Spanish translates to that, that's what I'm drinking. I'm sure the forum will tell us what it is. Right. And if you would like to visit our forum, it's a wonderful, crazy-ass place. You can get there by typing into your browser, forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or w 11 Mesa's desk? Uh, I was thinking Pupitra, but that's the school desk. But a regular desk is, is named Mesa. You're right. Agua de la Mesa. Awesome. See? Five years of Spanish. I, I remembered something. Or you can uh, type in www.11oclockcomics.com there's a little button on the top that says forum click it and you will be instantly transported to a magical realm of wonderment mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's alright so what are we doing it seems a little weird without Chris doesn't it it does we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna, off gonna, balance. Cha- we're gonna champion on though we're gonna be champs we're gonna do this yeah. Nudists. They no, we're going to do, do this. Do this. Oh, we're going to do this. See, I speak that. Yeah, cool. Going to do this. Do we jump right in? This God, it's like training wheels without him. He's the old, well, he's younger than me, but he's like the grandpa pointing us well, in the direction. Let's think of something time. to plug Windy City. Windy City Comic Con. When is that? September what? 19th. Uh, September 19th. Jason's going to be there. David's going to be there. Chris, of course, is going to be there. And Tom, Sal, and a host, a blitzkrieg of artists and writers, right? Plethora. Yes. Plethora. It's 45 days away, I believe, from today. That's a long time. You must be oh, itching. I, I believe the latest news is that uh, Richard Starkings will be joining the Windy City Comic Con. The wonderful creator, creator of, of images. Creator of Elephant, Elephant Man, Man and yep. uh, Hip Flask and, and, and... Digital type. Right. Wumba, Wumba Wealthy from creating lots of fonts that people somehow... <laughs> So, font, the font business amazes me, by the way. I, I don't yeah. I mean, not that I know that much about it, but the notion that there are people that create fonts that and, and actually get paid a tremendous amount of money so that others can use those fonts just Well, I don't know if it's tremendous. I'm, I mean, he has some fonts that are very usable. That's the ticket. You have to nail a font that is multifunctional, that it can be used in a lot of right. different instances, and he his sure. fonts are very, very good. Well, yeah, I'm not books. saying he's he's necessarily the guy doing it, but I'm, I've, there's actually a public company that creates fonts for magazines and the like, oh, and yeah. some of their fonts, like especially when they're... I mean, it's astounding how much people pay to use some of these fonts. And I would just think, like, well, isn't, a, isn't one of the other free fonts... I mean, is it really that noticeable? Yeah. But, it's, yeah. there, there's a lot of similar fonts out there, but... Those hoity-toity fonts, you can usually find a similar font for free, 
right, right. But if you if you must have the expensive font, you can mm-hmm. afford it. So, and then again, for every person paying legit for the font, there's thousands that are stealing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, good. I'm I'm happy for Starkings that he's made a a career out of selling fonts. That's very respectable. It's and they're good fonts. Than Comic Sans, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> yeah, it's a crap font. You're right. It really is. Yeah. It is. Hey, this is Daryl. You know what I don't like? It ain't all, all, It ain't right for our hard snobs to be snobs, okay? Elitism, I hate that shit, even in comics, in movies, and in t- anything. Who gives a fuck who you are? Who the fuck you are? What you've done beforehand? That doesn't mean you have a right to turn up your nose to something because it's mainstream that 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 means shit to me that means absolutely nothing to me just like it'd be wrong for me to turn my nose up because it's an indie book so no i i don't i don't go i'm not down with that shit with you snub your nose and be snobbish towards oh it's just a green lantern book or something like that i don't like that shit that means nothing to me just because whatever you have done in your history, respect what you've done, but that gives you no license to just shit on everything else. Beta. Hey, it's Daryl. You know what? I no disrespect, man, but uh, I know with the music and the hearing of the music and the art and all that shit, but... When I look at Mike Howard on X-Force, I still hear wrong artists for the book. I just don't like his art on the X-Book. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. If I'm hearing it wrong or whatever, then I'm just hearing it wrong. But that's not what I want. I mean, just like with, with Scotty Young, I love his stuff on with the Wizard of Oz. Thought he was wrong for New X-Men. He's not a bad artist, but his art just didn't fit that book for me. It happens. It's just not what I'm hearing. So I, you know, it's just 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 the way it is. I guess I'm just not cultured enough. That's just me. But hey, if I can. So what are we reading? <laughs> I have people at work, professionals, edu- educators, and they use the font in their emails. Uh, like it's, anyway. It should be banned. <laughs> it really should be. <laughs> David said that with such venom. Ooh, and, and one other thing, a very important announcement uh, before we get into comic talk, which we are going to talk some comics, people. By the time you listen to this episode, folks, it will be Mr. Vince's Yay. 50th birthday. Oh, oh. Not Vince. Woohoo! Happy birthday, yeah, pal. Yeah, 50, we love you. 50 we love minus you, 6. Yeah. I'm 44. 44. 44th, baby. Oh, you don't you yeah. don't look a day over 49, dude. I got carded the other day. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the Slayer show? I got carded. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I was at the Slayer show. Don't worry about at it. The, at, the, at the Triple X uh, glory hole? I mean, <laughs> what are you getting carded for? No, they don't. They know me there because I'm a regular. Oh, nice. But anyway, so let's talk some comics. Are we finally going to get down to Amazing Spider-Man 600? I mean, we've been teasing at it for weeks, and some of us haven't read it. I'm sure we've all read it by now, yay? Yes, yes, sir. 
I read most. I, I read the main story. I read the uh, the oh so wonderful. At least it was drawn well. Stanley story and uh, the. <laughs> I have to say though, the Stanley contribution to Amazing Spider-Man six hundred, a true issue six hundred, by the way, was far better than his droppings left on Hulk six hundred. That was just a waste of paper. Oh, well, okay. I didn't read that one yet. I would yeah. say that for those who have yet to buy either Amazing Spider-Man 600 or Hulk 600, and for some inexplicable reason aren't sure which one to buy, on, on sheer value alone, Spider-Man... Yeah. yeah. I mean, Spider-Man is 100-plus pages of all original content. Whereas because the Hulk covers. Those yeah, covers exactly. Which, uh, whereas the Hulk is a good, good chunk of that Hulk book is reprints or superfluous stuff, in my opinion, so... I did like the Stanley story in, in Thor six hundred. Not 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 better than the Spider Man story, but I it wasn't bad. Again, though helped by the David Aja art, so um, no doubt. But yeah, I didn't. I and I read what was the second? What was the story after that? Uh, oh oh, the Uncle Ben flashback. But anyway, let's let's get uh, let's get to the story itself. Get on it, dude. Yeah. Should we try and summarize the thing for those who haven't read it? And if you haven't read it, you really should go out and get it. The the main story is one of the longest single stories I've seen Jimmy <laughs> Jr. work on. I'll say that again. I, I'll be honest, uh, and the owner of the local comic shop and I were talking about this. There was a hint of decompression because it's so freaking long, and a lot of things happen. But another page of John Romita Jr. art is a bad thing. You know, <laughs> th- that could have went on for 150, 200 pages, and I would not have minded. You know what? To me, that first story felt a lot too long. <laughs> really? I, I was struggling to get to get through it. Oh, I was loving it. I was loving every page. The, I mean, it looked beautiful. John, you're right. John, it's great to see JR, JR, and I didn't read Kick-Ass, so I haven't seen Romita in a while. And the last time I, I remember, I may have seen him since, but the last time I remember seeing him was World War Hulk, which I was on record as saying it looked at least to my eyes, not a little vintage. It looked yeah. a little rushed. And he's such a good artist. It's, I, I mean, rushed JRJR is still better than a lot of people working. But but it was it was disappointing, at least from my expectations. But so it looked beautiful. I mean, this book I would happily look at it another hundred times. But uh, yeah. but and I found just... myself skipping over chunks of of dialogue. Oh, oh no, no way! No, no way! Because what is, what is... The, the, the 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 banter between Spidey and Johnny was oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I, I did read that part. I every agree. conversation. I, um, Dude, I, I've seen the I, women you hang around with. I'm coming. He says, what's the combination? Try his birthday. I don't know his birthday. Try my birthday. Why would it be your birthday? Everybody loves me. Nobody loves you. It was, it's just... Yeah. The, well, let's um, set it up just so we can give credit where it's due. The main story was written by Mr. Dan Slott. Yes. Pencils by the king of Spider-Man, John Romita Jr., Inks by the Maestro. If you're going to have Ramita Jr., the optimal choice for inkers is. Oh, well, in this case, Klaus Jansen. Oh, you don't think he's the best inks on Ramita Jr.? Mm, not the best. Not 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 to me. He's he's damn good. Well, who do you like better? Not uh, oh crap. I want to say, see, because because and and okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, let's. Detour. Let, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get there. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of a toss up between maybe Dan Green and Scott Hanna, only because I see more Jr. Junior through their inks. Kloss is is has, has a tendency to not be heavy handed or, or or overshadow, but you can definitely tell where his contribution is. Although I think this was a lot maybe 
cleaner in some areas than maybe World War Hulk was. Wow. Because it's it's better than Tom Palmer, I'll say that. Oh. See, to me, Jansen and Romita Jr. are like Martin and Lewis. It's that team that uh, Jansen will enhance. Jansen adds a level of grit and Mm -hmm. uh, fluidity to... Ramita Jr.'s pencils, like he, I mean, the man's fluid enough as it is. But when you when you throw Jansen on top of him, it's this special blend that you only get with these the combination of these two gentlemen. It's it's just special and colors. And this, in my opinion, is the MVP of this story. Dean White. Yeah, this guy's yeah. fantastic. Did you notice there is not a solid color in this entire story? He'll either put a wash of a darker color over a lighter color, or he'll he'll throw a highlight on it, or some stippling, or noise, or a texture in the background. There's not a solid color in this damn thing. He the attention paid to the color art is astounding in this story. Dean White is fantastic. He brings yeah. out the best in both of these guys. Mm-hmm. When I think of JRJR, it's hard for me not to think of Klaus Janssen. I mean, even though he's been so. I guess almost by default, I assume he's going to be inked by Klaus these days. And then if he yeah. doesn't, it's like, oh, oh, really? That's interesting. But I mean, I know that he's been working for a long time and has plenty of other stuff, you know, other inkers, but it just, I definitely think of Klaus for sure. I know a lot of people not dislike, but they're not all that hot with Mr. Jansen pencils and inks his own work. Yeah. Because, yeah. because he does well, tend to get very haphazard, but I like yeah. that. I, I, we'll I like sloppy. Okay, well, because you go back to when I talked about Batman uh, Gothic, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a real problem with that for that exact reason. I The, the sloppy did not work for me. I, I felt myself craving <laughs> structure under those those inks because uh, it, it just – I think he just literally just forgot anatomy for the sake of, of his line, and that bothers me. Uh, uh, the I, There's a reason why he, he's the author of DC's Guide to Inking. He's yeah. – I mean, he's, he's – he is uh, – Okay, he's a maestro. He's he's great at what he does. I'm looking at the issue, and and it is it is somewhat of a cleaner Jansen than than what I'm used to. It, it looks great. There's the, the early scenes with with Spidey and Daredevil. It's it's an awesome sequence. Everything it, it looks great. It really does. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance to his his line when he inks because he has this unnatural ability to know just how much pressure to put on that to thicken the line and it it looks it just looks right i'm looking i'm looking at a picture of of aunt may right now where she's talking to peter and and you can see that it her it's it's a lot softer Mm -hmm. when he's he's when he's embellishing her and and it's yeah you're right my love for romita jr knows no bounds i mean i think and you can laugh, chuckle, guffaw, whatever you want to do. I think Ramita Jr. is Kirby level. Wow. Yes, or will really? be. Really? Wow. That's, I mean, that's once, such once really he has, a, he he does have a very large body of work right now. But the guy's got at least thirty, forty years left in him. He will mm-hmm. be regarded in the same breath as Kirby as one of the best comic artists ever. He, that's I think, any praise from you? I mean, I'm not disagreeing oh, with you. I'm, I'm but yeah. I'm saying. For you to throw him up there is like... Uh, I'll push him up there with, with Ditko and Kirby, someone. sure. Yeah. But uh, the story, from years of pummeling and beating at the hands of, of the superhero community, Doc Ock's body has refused to heal itself. Coupled with the radiation from the original accident, his body is deteriorating. Mm-hmm. And he sets up this network. 
he taps into the surveillance phone uh anything with a with a digital network he has he creates these little octopi these digital octopi to tap into that and he takes control of the city and while he does that he runs into the thorn in his side spider-man he happens to notice that may riley is getting married who he was once engaged to way back when and Mm -hmm. This issue is a nice little tip of the hat to the original Amazing Spider-Man. What was it? 135, 136 around there? The original with this ring ID web issue. Wasn't it in the 130s? I, I want to say yes. I don't I don't remember exact issue numbers, but it it's it's a, a a throwback to the Bronze Age, as is all of Brand New Day in my opinion. The Jerry Conway time, that's what the the Spider-Man brain trust are working that that's the blueprint for the. F- do you guys get that feel? Oh, I definitely. Day? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Somewhat altruistic attempt at Doctor Octopus to take over the city because he wants to make things right according to his yeah, wishes. It's a gift. And we have an appearance by Daredevil, and mm-hmm. Spider-Man uh, trashing the bar with no name. We have an appearance of the Fantastic Four, appropriately mm-hmm. enough. The new Avengers. Spiders, the new is that so? That's the new Avengers. Okay, Wolverine is actually funny in this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I sent uh, Dan Slott a tweet and I thanked him for the Family Guy reference in the issue, and um, and I didn't say this, but I, I the only misstep and and it's not even, but the only the only thing that really kind of took me out of it that 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 it stopped me a little bit cold. Um, was Luke and his his old catchphrase from back in the day? It just it really, it, I mean, it was it was cute, but I don't know if it re- it didn't really feel right. It, it it didn't really ring true to me at at the moment. But other than that, I got I got no complaints about this story. Super crisp dialogue. The the like you said, the Johnny Peter interaction is perfect. If if you're gonna have a 600th anniversary issue, you have to have the Human Torch. Yeah, because they were the I'll use the phrase dynamic duo. They were it seems in, in the Bronze Age, the Torch and Spidey were always teaming up on some, well Marvel team up. And I have Asterios Polyp on the brain. The camaraderie between Johnny and Peter is balanced very nicely by a bit of interaction between Nora and Carly. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. which was cool. I I like that Wolverine. Well, I have a question about that because again, I'm not reading a, uh, Amazing. On the on the regular, so hmm. I just took those two to be that. potential love interests. I mean, yeah, are they recurring characters? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Carly's been around since the beginning of Brand New Day. Uh, Nora, what was her first appearance? The Chris Piccolo, uh, Zeb Wells, um, yes. or Joe Kelly Hammerhead story? I think it was the one with the Aztecs, wasn't it? The the Aztec was god, that? the Wolverine uh, one. Thought it might have been the hammerhead one. Well, you're, way, you're, you're probably should, right. Yeah. Either way, Bacallo drew it yeah, with the ponytails and the friggin' the pigtails yeah. and oh, oh but how cute was she in the American Sun storyline? Dude, she's cute all the time. Yeah, I know. But okay, anyway, Carly Cooper works for the NYPD. What is she? Yeah. Forensics, I think. Yeah, like CS. Yeah, forensics. Yeah, she looked. I mean, she's looking at a dead body in a. It almost like she's a coroner, but then yeah, she says that she's a cop, so it must be something like that. Yeah, she's the girl you want to bring home, and Nora is a little on the trampy side. Uses her body mm-hmm. to get what she wants, but there's definitely an attraction between Nora and Peter. So, so I mean, so how could there so not be? She's smoking with, uh, so, so much attraction that she's with Robbie's son. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, Robbie's son is is still in it. Yep. And Not, Flash. Yep. 
and uh, Betty. Yeah. Now, gangs all I'm here. Sure we'll get to, I'm sure we'll get to that, but I, I, so I don't want to jump the gun. But I obviously didn't know about his uh, his <clears throat> quote unquote platonic roommate either. So. Oh, did you yeah. see? Have you seen the previews for Amazing Six Hundred One, no. which comes out tomorrow? Okay. Um, it's. I won't say anything. I don't want to ruin it. But well, I'm not going to get it. I didn't. Know well, David is. David, oh. did you see the previews? No, I didn't. Okay. They they made a a great mistake of not removing the last panel from the last page of the previews, because it's pretty obvious what's going on. And I think it was a little bit of a misstep on Marvel's part. They should have never released it because I know what happened. And if I know what happened, yeah, anybody's going to be able to figure it out. Hey guys, it's Sal. Uh, I was listening to your uh, last episode, I think episode 54. Uh, you guys were talking about um, Batman. Uh, Wood had just read the uh, Batman Year One, and you guys were talking about other uh, uh, premier Batman stories, and I thought one that nobody brought up uh, to me, which is, a, a, I think, one of the best of the Batman stories, is um, The Long Halloween by uh, uh, Tim Sale and, and uh, Loeb, and, and it's one of my favorite Batman stories, and I think one that really... Um, you know, helped uh, develop a lot of the rogues gallery uh, of, of Batman's villains. Uh, and and I just think it's a great story. So I was wondering what you guys thought, if, if that was something that uh, just didn't come to mind or, or something that you guys didn't really uh, think uh, held up to, uh, to the other stories you were talking about. So that was it. Uh, have a good night or day or whatever it might be. It's, it's uh night for me, but, and uh, and keep up the uh, the fine fine work uh, that you gentlemen do. So I'll talk to you all later. Uh, I'll see you guys at the Windy City Comic. Con. Oh, well I won't see Vince at the Windy City Comic Con, but I'll see Wood and and uh, and David. I think so. Uh, that that'll be nice. I, I wish I would see Vince, but unfortunately he's got some other convention that he wants to go to. Uh, I guess a better convention or something that. You know, I don't know, but, well, whatever. I'm sure I'll run into you sooner or later, Vince. Uh, That's it, guys. Have a good one. Bye. J. Jonah Jameson's father proposes to Aunt May, and she agrees. So now Jonah and Peter are stepbrothers, right? Cousins, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be played up as stepbrothers. And it's just a very sentimental issue for me because having read amazing spider-man for a whole mess of years i feel like i know aunt may mm-hmm. she, she's not just the old broad that peter likes to make happy she's a character that they've made very very real over the years and the story with her sitting in the graveyard talking <laughs> to uncle ben which yeah. was written by mark guggenheim Drawn with by beautiful m- pencils by mitch brightweiser yeah a little bit of a tommy lee edwards style going on there well, that's Mitch's style, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. um, he's he's coming into his own, man. He's 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 legit. Like he's getting oh, to the point shit. where I look for his name in the in the solicits and see if it's something I want to, you know, I would consider picking up that I might not have otherwise. Did you get the seventieth anniversary namer issue? I did. Um, it, it's I haven't bought any of the seventieths, but that is one as as is the Somni that I I do plan on picking up. Yeah. But or get just getting the trade as as a should definitely get it. It's sweet. Yeah. But so Aunt May goes to the graveyard. This is one of the supplemental stories towards the end of the book. Aunt May goes to the graveyard and basically asks Uncle Ben's 
permission kind of or blessing for the wedding and it ends in a really neat way and it, it's it's very touching because god aunt may's been around forever I, I would like to see the woman have some happiness in her life other than peter i mean jarvis yeah that was a nice little fling <laughs> but i don't think jarvis was the man for her she's got enough problems with peter being a superhero she want to be dating mm-hmm. jarvis with like the whole friggin' avengers at his right. beck and call i got a question again and it's it's going to seem nitpicky and, and i don't I don't want. It's not a big deal one way or the other. But how old is Jonah Senior supposed to be? I always thought Jonah was like all the years I've read Spider Man. I always assumed Jonah was in his sixties himself. I mean, mm. so I so obviously he's not that old, but he's got to be at least in his fifties. No, I mean he's yeah. He looks. Jo- at, he's, jo- Jonah's in his fifties. Yeah, um, which would so make his dad's in his eighties. No, no, I think I because because uh, dad. What did dad do? He 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 he's a draft. No, he he came home from. Uh, he came home while he was in the service, but didn't go back. Wasn't and, it Korea? I think so. And yeah. then he, um, so obviously he had, he and he and his wife had, had Jonah when they were both young is the impression that I'm under. And, right. uh, and he spent some years in, in the brig for, uh, for abandoning, for coming home to be there for Jonah's birth. And, uh, and he was AWOL. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wasn't there, I guess, for Jonah. But I, I mean, maybe, maybe twenty years older than his son. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Because yeah. I mean, May, Mace. Game. Yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, I would. I would figure he's. He's in his seventies. Okay. Sounds good. And May it, is in her. I mean, that. Okay. So they're 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 roughly equivalent then. Yeah. Yeah. Ray's, May's late sixties or early seventies. I would imagine. Okay. She was charted up pretty well at the wedding with all the friggin' makeup yeah. on. Yeah. That yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. She was almost a a gigilf. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> but Peter's got a lot of women after his ass. It does. Carly, Nora, uh, now, Michelle. Now is any of it though? No. Mm. <laughs> he, maybe. <laughs> okay. Dude, I'm not gonna it, like if I read it. I'm not gonna go sit if you tell David me. David so. does not like spoilers, and we will not release them on this show until David <laughs> is damned. We're like Orson Welles. We will talk about no plot details until their time. Ah. Uh. Okay, well, all right. Well, you asked about the roommate. The roommate is the sister of Vin Gonzalez, the NYPD officer who uh, who was Peter's roommate when when Peter okay, and, yeah. and Mary Jane mm-hmm. and ended up not getting married, and and she moved out west, and he, he he because he couldn't afford the rent, he shacked up with his with Aunt May for a few weeks, and before and while looking for his own place, he gets the. Uh, Vin's looking for a roommate. I think Vin was Vin has feelings for Carly. I think he was kind of yeah. hoping Carly was going to be the roommate, but when she says, "I have a friend," and it turns out to be Peter, so Vin and Carly are on the force together. Although Vin isn't at the moment, he's currently doing time for being yeah. in, in cahoots with someone. Uh, yeah. While he's in doing his thing, and Peter with the Fantastic Four, where the five of them were, were in the macroverse, and and because time's funny. In the macroverse, like two months went by and Peter wasn't around. No Peter, no Spider Man, but there was no corner banner where it says where is Spider Man on for, for the next two issues. But they had they had all this time going by with beautiful time lapse panels by uh, Dale Eaglesham. Yep. And and you saw and, and it was it was a great framing sequence. You you had slot right in the story and, and, and what Spider Man and the Fantastic Four are doing in the Macroverse, but then you see in what's really going on in Peter's world. And, and what, what was great was that even though you'll see like J. Jonah Sr. proposing to May, in the background you'll see Harry 
and Carly at a restaurant or Nora and Randy leaving a movie theater. So everybody were, it was, it was a neat little way to have everybody near each other, but nobody was interacting. Like the couples mm-hmm. weren't interacting, but, but all this was happening over the course of two months. And then you, you cut to Peter's apartment and the answer machine goes on and you hear somebody or you see somebody leaving a message and true to Peter's luck, the answering machine message, it's full before this woman can finish leaving her message. But naturally, while, while Vin's incarcerated and, and, uh, and the apartment's going to pot and Peter's not there, Vin's sister shows up and, uh, and which, which baffled me because Peter's like, I can't believe the apartment looks great. Everything's dusted. The food is, you know, food's in the fridge and everything. He's got gonna, no idea. I'm going to walk around my apartment naked. <laughs> you know, he's got no idea that there's, there's, there's someone else living here at the same time, but no wonder she, she wants him. She saw him naked. That's gotta be She She saw the spider boner. So she knows what he's packing. And I just love the way that she just kind of invited herself to the wedding. Yeah. And, and but no, I, and don't forget, while Peter was in the the uh, microverse with the Fantastic Four, Jonah becomes mayor of New York City. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the big reveal. But yeah. um, and that duplicitous bitch Anna Watson invited someone to the wedding without telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the uh, issue, Mary Jane comes back. She's been back, but now she's in the forefront, we we, we assume. So how, how they're going to play that out, I don't know. But all in all, the opening story was a fantastic tribute to 600, well, 599 issues that have come before. I thought it was wonderful, very poignant, very perfect way to celebrate this book. Don't you think? I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. Creepy ass Doctor Octopus, all gangly and thin. That's not how that we're was, accustomed to yeah. seeing. He Doc was, that freaked me out a lot. Yeah, and the the thing is, you can't see his eyes, which is the freakiest mm-hmm. part. And he has four extra arms too. Yeah, so, yeah. I will say, I think it's a. It, it really accomplishes what I think an anniversary issue should. In that, I haven't been reading. I mean, I read a few issues when uh, what was the arc after Brand New Day where J.R. J.R. did the pencils, the one with the uh, anti venom. No ways, ways to, die. to die. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> yeah, all right, David. We should do it. We should have a wrap back. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and I haven't read anything else, and yet this was, as you suggested, Vince, a a uh, really a kind of walk through Peter's existence as spider-man like you know there were a lot of you know his characters that are currently in the in the book but also uh, homages to the other you know people that have been meaningful in his life and so i read it as a fan of spider-man over the years and enjoyed it for what it was it sated me i got a complete story um it was well it was well drawn mm-hmm. um and i and i don't like it wasn't one of those things where where it just kind of sur- a lot of these anniversary or special issues I find and maybe it's always been like this but it seems like these days both for Marvel and DC they often almost serve as a uh, stealth springboard to try and get you to to come back on the book and and in doing that though they they can often fail because they they don't give you a full story they give right. you the part of an, an opening of an arc and kind of try and lure you back into getting the book again or buying the next trade to their credit this time that didn't happen i mean this story was was effectively a one and done yes there are a couple there obviously are, are, are threads throughout the thing that will continue and obviously the last page is supposed to be that reel you in but i read this having not clamored for spider-man before this for a while and think and was satisfied and i don't feel the need to run out and get the next issue now i'm not opposed to reading spider-man when i get some of the trades but it's it for what it was it gave me a complete story and i appreciated that because i cool. was fearful it wouldn't 
Chris is here. Let's get him. Okay. Pretend we didn't talk about him. Of course. Right. Talk talk about who? Right. That's good. Oh, he's not answering now. Uh, I was petting the dog. I was giving it to her. (laughs) (laughs) Who was, um, what was, uh, ah, crap, was his name Norm? I forget. The, the handicapped dude that was sweet on May when, uh, back in the, in the 80s. You remember oh, who talking about? Oh, yeah. What the frig was his name? Uh, Walt. I'm trying to remember was because he tried to give Peter a piece of his mind a couple times whenever Peter had to run out because he had someone yeah. to save. And, and, oh, what you're doing to your aunt is disgraceful. And I'm trying to, and I was going to ask why wasn't he there? But, I mean, did he die? Did they kill him off? Well, you know, I don't remember. Uh, Straczynski probably had him have sex with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spider totem. Well, yeah. He, he had sex with Ezekiel. Ah, oh, crazy! He was Ezekiel. Oh, that's. that's, <laughs> and then that's they ripped so out his funny. eye, and he did something nasty to his skull. It was very, very messy. Ah, yes. But Chris is not answering. I got an unknown error, so we'll just keep talking till he messages me again. You also get a very funny story about the much maligned Spider Mobile, and there's an appearance by the Simpsons comic book guy on a Segway. Very funny. That is true. Yes. <laughs> Uh, of course, the Stan Lee written story was drawn by Marcos Martin, which features the Spider Hulk, which is cool. Nathan. Nathan, yes. Nathan Lubunsky. The, yes. You're, oh, good job. Thank you. Um, a very touching story between Uncle Ben and Peter, which was very appropriate for an issue like this. True. A nice bit of foreshadowing in a Madame Mask story, which sets up plot threads dangles them before our very eyes for what did they say a year to come we mm-hmm. see spider woman we see the rhino black cat what yeah, I, 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 she, she she pisses me off i mean oh i, I, I love I, felicia I, no 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 madam webb oh madam mm-hmm. webb ah oh, she's yeah. cool yeah. and uh and pencils by max fiumara who yes. people know from joe kelly's well actually this was written by joe kelly so i guess that's why he got the gig but uh but the um, Four Eyes, he's the penciler on Four right. Eyes. I, think it, I thought it was very nicely illustrated, especially the Craven-esque feature on the lower right of the double-page spread. Very creepy, very nicely done. Peter may get stabbed through the spider. It looks like the lizard may come back. Well, th- I think this might be um, a uh, premonition of uh, the Sinister 666 story. Oh, right. And... Uh, Craven's daughter's not out of the picture yet. Right, and I think it's she's the one who's um, spearheading this this anti Spidey campaign with with his former foes. Yep, or current foes. So um, she's not going away, and and uh, I guess she'll she'll be back with um, with the lizard, with I'm sure you know the rhino and 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 everything like that. So have we seen Electro since uh, the New Avengers breakout storyline? Hmm, I don't. Th- think so i don't know i don't think i've seen them then because they 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 were they weren't uh really they were easing off of uh classic villains yes so uh i mean i'm i'm down for him to get a uh a makeover so if if he shows up with with a new headdress i'll be happy just as long as it's not an ultimate spider-man kind of makeover yes i did not like that uh we there's some mock spider-man covers by mike mccone (laughs) Yeah, written by Matt Fraction. Yeah, Fraction. Uh, Bendis did one with Jansen, where the spider meets the bat. Oh, Jesus. I didn't get to that one yet. Okay. Pretty funny. Really, do yourself a favor. Go out and buy this issue. It is fantastic. Well what, worth the money. What, uh, what cover did you get? The J.R. Jr. one? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, okay. I didn't want that. The Casada. I didn't 
particularly care for it. Wasn't okay. a bad cover, but just a little too lumpy. This looked like <laughs> like uh, spider oh, spider that, bag huh? of soap, you know, oh, in a, in a sock. I, I, I was thinking he might have borrowed Frank Whiteley's uh, sketchbook. Okay, I don't understand oh, what you're talking about. See, no, I'm I love Quietly. I'm just saying that other people tend to you know that mashed potato look and things like that that I really don't see. But you say lumpy, and I think of people's comments on on Quietly and and uh, so lumpy, lumpy gravies. Hello, 11 o'clockers. This is uh, Chris. I've never called before, and I've never been on message board, but been listening to you guys in every various podcast you guys have done for about three years now. I was just calling in because I just got done reading Blackest Night number one, and I just want to say that I think I figured out why Barry's back. I believe it's to look sad every time. Green Lantern has something horrible to tell him that happened while he's been dead. Uh, I feel like this is the third or fourth time that we've seen him do this. And from Blackest Night Zero, um, Flash Rebirth 1, and after reading half of uh, Blackest Night 1, or half of Blackest Night 1 being nothing but the deaths of uh, people and people mourning them at graves. I've uh, really just sick of it in the DC universe. And I know everyone's going to love this actual issue. And this issue really isn't that bad. I really liked it. But I'm just tired of everyone uh, beating down on Brian Michael Bendis because everyone says nothing ever happens in his stories. And everyone's just staying around talking. Whereas there seems to be a lot of people staying around talking in the DC universe. It's just that gravestones. Uh, that's all. Uh, love you guys. Bye. Let's move on. We've, we've, I think we've devoted enough time to Amazing Spider-Man. It's obvious. Go out and get it. It's fantastic. Yeah. What are you guys reading? I want to hear about it. What the hell am I reading? Uh, as long as it's well, not well, located uh, in Gotham, you could talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, that, 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 well, we'll talk about that on another Driving with the Prices. Uh, uh, there you, you go. You're reading a lot of bat books. Is that the wife's influence? Partly, yeah. Oh, yeah, she, I mean, because it's... Bad, bad influence. Bad. She, she, was, she was yelling at me before we started tonight because she came in here. She was like, I want to read something with Luke Cage. And so I... What am I going to show her? The essentials where he's he's running alias, around. Dude. And, and, well, I don't have aliases yet. I'm going to look for alias in Windy City, and I'm going to look for the pulse at, at, nice. at Windy City and everything. I I'm going to get alias, especially now that they came starting to come out with the ultimate collection. But the uh, I I know Luke Cage Noir starts tomorrow, but that's you know a force mini series, and, and God forbid she has to wait four months to read a complete story. <laughs> so uh, that's so cute. I I, I um, you know she is a Huge advocate for the trade, so uh, uh, yeah. So I, I got um, I'll be looking for Luke Cage stuff, but no. So she wants to read about Batman. So if she wants to talk about it, I, I guess or if she has questions, it, it would be a good idea for me to know what to expect. So uh, I gave her. Uh, she's got a pile. She has Broken City. And, oh, she's got a pile, all right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> she married it. Uh, nice. Uh, she's got Broken City. She, yeah, she is. She, um, she has R.I.P. The Final Crisis two-part of time that follows it. And, 
and and even Final Crisis, in case she has any questions about that. But she does love the bat, doesn't she? She really does, dude. Oh my god, it's 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 sickness. See, I don't get that. Now, let's be honest. If you had a choice, the bat or the spider, which ways? What are you going to go with? It's it. I mean, there's in my opinion, there's only one choice. Yes. Well, we've had this discussion on the forums. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 in the bat camp, so over Spider Man. Oh, definitely. If yeah, he's uh, he, people either people will love Spider Man, people will love Peter Parker, but given a choice, if they're not, if they're lukewarm on the whole Spider Man deal, then then yes, they will say that they'd rather have Batman. It's it. I don't know what it. It's I don't know if it's a cool factor, if it's what got you into it first, if it's just you know who would you rather be. It it's. Spidey's not polarizing, but when you compare him or stand him next to Batman and you go, okay, who would you rather have or what would you rather read about? A lot of people would rather go with Batman. That baffles me. Yeah, me P- too. Peter Parker is a much more well-rounded character, a much more believable. I mean, that's exactly the, what I was saying. Yes, the yeah. Bat is driven by his guilt over not being able to help his parents. Boom, there's Batman. And Peter Parker has a lot of that too, but he's a very... See, I'm going to dig a hole for myself because, in a lot of ways, they're very similar. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Only one's a billionaire playboy pimp; the other one's a loser who still lives with his aunt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Loser. Get past that now. Oh, and, see, uh, she brainwashing Jason too. Uh, aside, aside from not living with his aunt anymore and and being a loser, the uh, the whole unlucky thing is one thing. But you want to talk about someone who's a playboy pimp? We just got them talking about all the trim Peter could end up with. Could. But see, he's very forthright. He would not tap a keg unless he was going to drink it for the rest exactly. of his life. Well, don't or, get me wrong. Peter is, Peter's a man. He's not like Cyclops. Oh, nut shot. Nut shot. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't hear that so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Summer. All right. uh, yeah, you know what? I, I immediately latch on to Peter because he's my man in the Marvel Universe, aside from the Fantastic Four. But mm-hmm. now that I've taken a minute to think about it, they are a lot alike, Peter and Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Damn, I hate to admit it. Even, even, the, even the Joker and the Green Goblin are very similar personalities. It's interesting, though, because the Green Goblin is an industrialist and his his hero foil is, 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 you know, not more of an everyman, whereas it's the flip with Batman and Joker. I mean, but, I mean, if you a- list the personality traits of, of uh, Norman Osborn, murderous, sadistic, insane, yeah, uh, I mean, albeit, I, but, albeit self-inflicted insanity, whereas I think the, the Joker, Joker is, like, insane to the point where he really has no ability to control himself, like, within normal confines of society. Like, Norman pulls off... Nor, you know, Norman, for all intents and purposes, spends a good chunk of his time fooling people into thinking he's a normal human being. Not lately, from what I've seen from Dark Reign. It's all out in the open now. Well, it's extent, not like the Lex Luthor type his thing. Life, though, he's been, I mean, even now, he's, the world thinks of Norman Osborn as the head of Hammer and the savior of the country. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's whereas the Joker is, makes no bones. He is, no matter how he's portrayed, he's, the world thinks of him as a psychopathic murderer, and he's never tries to pull the wool over people's eyes you know we've, we're never going to see a joker president of the united states like we see with alex luthor you know i mean he was the emperor day, though, all out of comic, what's that he was uh, the emperor he has yeah norman green goblin is very similar to the joker but norman osborne would right. be more like right. okay yeah luthor. nice that's, flesh out there that's very good good save mm-hmm. that's fair. i got something 
Proceed. So, a while back, we had a nice discussion of it in our forums, too, and it happened. It was maybe, I don't know if it was a year ago. It was probably less than that, it feels like. Uh, GQ put out a list of 20 graphic novels that you should read after Watchmen. And I called attention to it because I thought for, you kind of think these things have train wrecks. Anytime you have a, a list can always be train wrecks. And then you take a list that's created by a publication that really doesn't do much in the world of, of sequential art. And you think, boy, this could be a total nightmare. But I actually was shocked at, at least from my purview it was a pretty nice list i thought it was a pretty quality list with a lot of diverse ideas and and uh since it was time for the folks that were out there reading watchmen and a lot of goddamn people read watchmen that never uh or don't frequently read uh comics i thought that was a great and i had read most of them and i think you guys had too but there were a few that i i hadn't and so i went out and uh and found them and have had them tucked away to read um and one of them uh that was on the list was summer blonde by Adrian Tomine, as Vince had it correct. It's Tomine. I looked it up while we were recording. Um, and I finally got around to reading it, and I am the better man for it. It's a stunningly good book. I mean, it's 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 astoundingly good, to the point where everybody should read this book. I honestly think this is one of those books that not only does it deserve to be on the list, but I'm sitting here thinking, why in the hell had I, did it take me 10 years to hear about this book? This book came out 10 years ago. Tomine is a now Vince. You I don't, do you are you familiar with him, Vince? Because he seems right yes. up your alley. He's, mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a uh, fourth generation Japanese American, and uh, he has been creating comics in the indie scene. He's been making mini comics to his 16 years old. Uh, Self published them. He created a uh, I guess it was a quarterly comic called Optic Nerve right. um, that he wrote and drew um, to to much acclaim and I guess to much controversy as well. Because he got a lot of acclaim at a very young age, and, uh, and and the kind of acclaim, I mean, this is very much an art house kind of. I mean, he was widely discussed in the Comics Journal, and um, he's yes. he's buddies with Dan Close, and um, you know his his art style's been compared to Spiegelman and some of the other guys that Vince has orgasms over every time he thinks <laughs> of them. So I can understand where I this was not the kind of thing I was even looking for ten years ago. So I, I I'm not surprised that I didn't know whatever came out, but. Uh, but I'm so glad that I found it. Um, th- this particular book, Summer Blonde, is actually a collection of the last four issues of, of Optic Nerve. Um, and it's essentially four uh, character studies. Um, uh, on, on the surface, if you were to just kind of piece, piece through this, you might think that it's um, another book about kind of losers. You know, just like another study of of the of 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 the losers the gen x you know view of oh let's let's read a couple you know uh tales about you know geeks or 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 outsiders and and uh and wrap them up tightly but but what's what's astounding about this book is um tomine doesn't he there's no pretense to these stories literally he drops you in to these people's lives for a few moments and he takes you out long before as you're reading the story you think he should i mean there's no moral to the story they don't have any kind of lesson there's no real continuity between the four stories you know that's at least discernible to me i mean this is basically just a look at four very in some ways normal but but very flawed human beings and he makes no excuses for their flaws that their flaws are just part of who they are and you're kind of given a window as to moments where these flaws really um make an impression on those people around them and then you're taken right back out and we're left to wonder whatever happens to them. But he doesn't obsess about that at all. He doesn't try and make you think that there's a happy ending. He doesn't try and make you think that, that things get worse for them. He just shows you a glimpse of them and then lets you decide what whether that matters to you. 
And I, I don't know if if there, I assume there's lots of other storytellers that have that kind of approach, but certainly of the comics that I've read, I, I have not come across that very often, if ever. Yeah, so Dan Claus really, is a lot like that. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, that would make sense, I guess, which is why they're they're buddies, and it makes me very interested in reading clothes and some of the other people that Tomine considers friends now because um, this again to me this wasn't just good this was uh, amazing um, and, and like just real quick I mean it's the stories I won't get into the to the gritty details but I mean the, the basic premise there's a guy the first story is about a guy on the surface who wrote a book it was a mild hit and now he's he's obsessing over his high school love who never you know wouldn't give him the time of day and in, in looking for her he ends up finding a, a, a teenage girl who who obsesses over him and it gets awkward pretty quickly. Um, in another one, there's a dude who's like a lovable loser. He has he doesn't have the balls to talk to this girl that he's kind of almost quasi stalking. He you know he goes to the store where she works every day just to find a reason to see her. Um, her life kind of takes a turn for the worse, and he starts off trying to help her when she doesn't want his help. He ends up making it worse because he's angry. Um, there's I thought the best story was. Um, the, uh, what's it called? Uh, I think it's called Hawaiian Vacation, where it's about an, an, an Asian Hawaiian getaway. It's about a twenty-something Asian girl who loses her job. She's a, a, a call center operator. You know, she does like telemarketing. She loses her job and st- kind of descends into madness, and she starts making prank phone calls to people. And she's prank- she's dialing the payphone. She can see a payphone from out of her window, so she starts dialing it as people walk by, and then fucking with the people as they pick up the phone. <laughs> and uh, and then the last one is kind of an awkward story about a, a boy in high school who is befriended by an even stranger boy and you you, you kind of wonder whether this kid that's befriending him is, is is really fucked up like i mean in a lot of ways and uh and you find that out so it's just again it's one of those i mean i guess on the surface people might might label it a slice of life book but these aren't people that you you come in contact with too often and if you if you do you know chances are you don't know that they're as fucked up as as these people are because they would likely not expose you to those those that that side of them you know right. like you may meet these people and think oh they're just normal people but then and when they're you know in their most intimate moments they have real real flaws or real 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 issues to deal with so um i just hats off to to tomine and and i'm I'm dying to read i mean he's written a lot of other stuff so i'm dying i'm definitely gonna make a point of of checking out his his, his other stuff and i was just curious if you guys were familiar with him or or, or any of his his sort of compatriots because it seems like his work has also been quite controversial i mean with optic nerve i was reading on uh, on the web that that i guess he he published a lot of his um his his uh, letters, you know, in his books, and and a lot of the letters are very critical of him and stuff. And he and he published them anyway, and had a lot of open dialogue that were um, and whatnot. And I guess in in his early works, he he you'd have you get no indication from this book, this summer blonde, that he was that he's Japanese American. But I guess as he's gotten older, um, and he's actually my age, he's thirty four. Um, he he's gotten really heavily more heavily into his his uh, you know the racial issues that are at play in his life and his past. So um, it's great, great, astoundingly good stuff. You know, he hmm. he. he he illustrates it as well as writes it, and uh, and Vince, I mean, I, dude, you have to read this if you haven't already. I mean, this is I have it. I just haven't gotten around to reading it. Well, yeah, it's on yeah, the shelf. Yeah, but, it's, it's uh, amazing. As far as the optic nerve stuff goes, I think why he was so surprising to many as a creator is he has this grasp of human emotion, the human condition that really belies his age. I mean, like you said, he was very young when he came into it, and the interpersonal uh, relationships in his 
stories, you almost feel like a fly on the wall, like you are eavesdropping oh, on, two, on two people yeah. exchanging, and it's it's kind of unsettling because it's so very real. Oh yeah, I mean and, these and are his, really awful moments. I mean yeah. these are like 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 again. There's 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 one story where not she's a, a bit player, so it's not giving away a lot. But there's a, a scene where they're having a high school party, pretty typical, and this girl gets so drunk that she she shits her pants. And literally, you're reading this, and you're feeling. You're like it's making you remember all those moments either you or your friends had in your life that were so unbelievably embarrassing that they come flooding back to you, and you're like, "Oh, I never shit my pants," but boy, uh, I can imagine what she must feel like right now. You know what I mean? It's it's and it's just it slaps you across the face. But there's no where I think a lot of at least some of the slice of life stuff that I've read in the past, you would expect though that at some point in the in the story she would have her redemption. But in this, that doesn't happen. She's just a drunk girl who shit her pants, and now everybody in school thinks she's a freak. You know what I mean? That's just that's right. it. That's the only that's the only exposure you have to this girl. It's You're left very to wonder is her life over. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so. and the and the even more unsettling is the line style is a very matter of fact, very clean. I mean, there's no stylistic flourishes at all. It's it's here's a person. You know, I mean, it's it's very realistic, but but there's there's no noodling or you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there with the brush and just art this up. It's just matter of fact, boom, and and that to me is really unsettling too because it makes it more more real to me. That that would suck me into the story a lot quicker because I'm not paying attention to the process. I'm paying attention to the story. As I'll tell it you unfolds. what the the art reminds me of not any. It, the most it reminded me more of um and you may laugh at this but i think his characters look exactly like mike judge's characters oh wow mm, uh, see, i wouldn't go that far no i'm telling well i there there are characters like the the mother in one of the stories to me looks exactly like the mother from um what's the King show the he Hill? does what, what's that King King of Hill? The Hill? yes exactly that's hey, the one Peggy Hill? you, you need to read the- some dan claus well, I have to, but I'm saying, yeah, yeah the, exactly, uh, David. The, she looks exactly like Peggy Hill, um, and, and and one of the boys, the freaky boy, is kind of chubby. He looks like the son in that show. I mean, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he looks really very similar to that. Um, uh, you know, maybe a little more refined, obviously, than that. I mean, I'm not, but but I'm saying I was reading and thinking, wow, this looks like a Mike Judge cartoon. That's one, another thing about Klaus and uh, Tomine. The quote grotesqueries you encounter in real life. I mean, people aren't perfect. They have physical imperfections some may have buck teeth some may have acne they present an unvarnished look at certain sections of people and mm-hmm. and that i think that enriches the work too because it's there you go I mean, that's the way it is whereas in mainstream books we tend to see very glamorized like nora in amazing spider-man she's a hottie mm-hmm. toddy whereas you know someone not every woman is going to be drop-dead gorgeous they may have a little well, flab or, you know, a club foot, you know, and that happens. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but now, Klaus, um, Klaus did Ghost World, which I read. Um, Eight Ball. But Eight Ball is Eight, what you need to read. Is that his, what is that, a, an anthology that he does, or what is that? Um, or is that a, it's, work, it's, or? it's a one-man show. It's I don't want to call it an anthology, but there are very different stories depending on what era of eight ball you read like there's a velvet cast in iron that was uh, the original uh six eight issues and then he moved on to other things like ghost world you're right and mm-hmm. uh david boring uh so he he'll tackle different stories and then he finishes them and he moves on to something else completely mm-hmm. different to what has come before but they're always illustrated in that dan klaus 
style where like Tomine the grotesqueries are all there and the quirks and the foibles and and all the little ticks of of humanity he represents them the way they are or the way they exist in his mind so right exactly yeah yeah neat stuff try them. Sure. you know that this is worlds away from deadpool i am loving this jason yeah. mood yeah loving it absolutely you're, right. you're a little bit more attractive to me right Ooh. now both physically and mentally. Honest to God. Yeah, this is cool. Hey, 11 o'clock comics. This is Pat from Pullman, Washington. Um, I just saw Chris Neesman on uh, Word Balloon video podcast. And, uh, well, it was creepy. It was just creepy. I don't like, I didn't like, he didn't look, uh, that's, that's not Chris Neesman. Chris Neesman looks different in my head. He looks fatter and, and grayer and, uh, I don't know, more wizened. Anyway, I just thought I'd, I'd share that. Um, you guys are awesome. Love the show. Um, and uh, it'd be nice if all of you were drinking during the podcast again. That uh, that was pretty sweet. So, fuck water. Uh, love you guys. Take it easy. Hey dudes, this is Pat from Pullman again, uh, 30 seconds later, forgot what I was uh, meaning to say, but uh, what's up with Daryl? Um, I remember Daryl from iFanboy, maybe earlier this year, and he always seemed a lot angrier, and uh, a little more a little more hardcore, a little more street, maybe. Uh, your Daryl is kind of a, it's kind of a, a warm, fuzzy, cuddly Daryl. Um, I don't know if I like that either. Um, I don't know. It's just not genuine. I like I like scary Daryl. I like not liking Daryl. Give give me him back. All right. Fuck it. So Jason, I know you read Creepy. David, did you read Creepy Number One from Dark Horse? I did not. Oh, not that's yet, okay. Anyway. I'm very interested to hear what Jason's take on it is because he is one that was not reading the original series. Well, I've which, read some of the original series, but I didn't read it. Right, but that's a mighty yeah. high bar to uh, sure. to reach. So w- what do you think? Uh, let's see. Um, well, let me start with the art um, because the art is... I-, I thought the art was very evocative of the archives in the sense that some of the choices were were great in that they did remind me of the, the EC mad artists, you know, in mm-hmm. that... Uh, uh, and I'm sure that was intentional. Certainly, I mean that. There's well, no Angelo question. Torres should have reminded you of a mad artist because he was one. Yep. For a lot of years. Angelo Torres, Marge Rucker. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and so from that regard, and um, Hillary Barta's in here, um, or you know, who's a friend of the uh, the AC crew, and I think you'll see him this week. Um, so I felt the art was terrific. Each story is varied, and, and again, you get the same kind of stark stark realism, like pure horror, and then you get kind of the the more cartoony, you know, like the Torres stuff, which which I think works well. So I enjoyed the art a lot. Um, the stories, uh, <laughs> I thought they were fine, but I I, I got to say, I, like I read through this pretty quickly, and I was kind of disappointed in how quickly I got through it. I, I didn't wow. find any of the stories particularly shocking, or I, I guess maybe what I was struggling with on this one, Vince, is that because I'm 34 and I've read lots of horror before and seen lots of horror, you know, I wonder if reading this now isn't as 
freaky to me. Whereas if I just if this same exact comic was presented to me as a ten year old, would it have scared the shit out of me? I, it's hard for me to say. Like I I remember the shocking nature of some of those first horror comics that I read as a kid, mm-hmm. and and just just being literally scared because I these were shocking. I had never seen those kind of images or stories before. Whereas this lacked neither the the shock the shock value nor did I feel like any of the stories particularly had um, that Twilight Zone really witty uh, bait and switch you know that's that's kind of cla- the classic. old Henry yeah yeah so right. so all in all I thought it was an interesting homage I will say that it's it's up my alley and the art made me feel happy to have bought it but I don't know that I'm going to be clamoring to like the second one was already solicited the third one is in this month's previews I don't know that I'm really feel compelled to pay four ninety nine for all of these. Like I think I'm more interested in hoping I can find a collection of this when it gets collected and, and, and on the on the cheap at, at maybe New York Comic Con next year or something. Mm-hmm. You know? As you like to say, I'm on it like a bonnet. Okay? <laughs> because it's no secret Warren is my favorite publisher of sure. all time. And as one who bought and de- devoured the original series, this issue to me both succeeds and fails. Okay. It fails on a level where it's impossible to recapture what has come before. The original Creepy is done, finished. It's, it's in the vault, buried. You cannot go back in time and pick up the baton and run with it. That is a time that's passed. The conditions are totally different. The publishing industry is totally different. The creators obviously are different. So the setup was doomed to failure from the get-go. But where it succeeds it does manage to exhume that corpse and kind of approximate what creepy was like which i think was the goal to begin with mm-hmm. you, so well let me clarify because I, like i i agree with what you're saying and i thought that was actually the the coolest part of the book i mean aside from just the the, the illustrate like i mean the the letters column and you know, like the little ads, like you know, you two can own a Uncle Creepy ring, you know, or or the the Bernie writes an opening page, like that stuff was all oh, cool, which was amazing. Good yeah, God. and I, like I think that's like you said, I think that they do a great job of evoking creepy. They do the contents um, page. There yeah. are certain things that are stylistically different, like the original creepy contents page had a rounded square where they would lay in the uh, the the story titles and with the pictures, but. Like I said, it it doesn't mimic the original creepy contents page, but it does invoke the atmosphere of of the the creep without without doing it to a to you know without hitting all the all the beats exactly. It does it is very representational of what the creepy contents page was. So and and that's where I I came up with the the, the feeling that they're not trying to be creepy; they're trying to be the new creepy pay homage to the past and take it in a new direction which is great starting off eric powell there's nobody in my mind that's going to live up to the original creepy cover artists from from the get-go jack davis on the first cover you had frazetta ken kelly uh san julian i mean those are some amazing artists and i think eric powell can create iconic images like those artists but do it in his own style which is exactly what this magazine needs Powell was the perfect choice to do the covers. Then you have Bernie Wrightson on the frontispiece. Again, what says horror more than Bernie Wrightson? Absolutely. And the stories, 
I, I got to be honest with you, a lot of them succeed because the original thrust Jim Warren came up with in creating these magazines was to reunite the EC artists and yeah. continue in that tradition without the constraints of the comics code and without the restrictions placed on four-color comics because the magazines were in their own arena. They weren't, you didn't have to have content issues as the, as the, the four-color comics did. So they were pretty much free to do whatever they wanted. And that's the original Creepy and Eerie, maybe the first two years was a, a, a nice celebration of EC. But then the formula became no formula. They would have stories of science fiction. There would be horror, obviously, continuing characters like Child and Dax the Warrior and like serialized stories. There would be uh, stories that were designed solely to titillate. There was nudity in it, which you didn't see in the EC comics. And I think this is a more close, is a closer approximation to mid to late period Warren as it is the early days. Because you have a lot of different stories in here. One of the reprints by Alex Toth, written by Bill Dubay, that's, uh, that's an original story from Creepy. That's not a new right, story yeah, because no, Alex Toth is dead. But, uh, so that's kind of where they were going after the initial thrust. They would throw science fiction in there, but very well done. I mean, this issue covers all the bases. You had a, a World War II story featuring uh, a Nazi concentration camp and some chemical that doesn't kill the Jewish people, turns them into zombies, which I thought that was the weakest story out of all of them. Yeah, well, I thought it was one of the weaker... Yeah, it was... Kind of pointless, but... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, well-rendered, very atmospheric, which is three-quarters of the battle, but in the end, eh, not all that shocking or not all that creepy, just disturbing for the fact of the subject matter, really. Right. But uh, the opening story... The Curse by uh, Joe Harris and art by Jason Sean Alexander. Do you know mm-hmm. who that he, that is? Um, he, uh, yeah. Um. He did Abe Sapien, The Drowning, currently working on Dead Irons right, for Dynamite. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this man's style is, is, is impeccable. The brush strokes in this are ungodly. But, well, that's so the this, thing. Yeah, every artist is, I mean, the, the art here, to me, if like I was doing the old, uh, the iFanboy one, th- I'd give the art a five and the storytelling a two. That'd be my rating for it. Oh, see, I'm intrigued by the opening story because not only is it continued, which... No, I mean, for the which, book as a whole. Yeah, that, oh, that first the book story, as a whole. I think, is the, yeah. Yeah, it's about uh, a man who has this paranormal ability to warp reality around people and in a sense push his desires onto them uh he works in a printing plant and has a problem with his boss and basically wishes her to throw herself into the printing press and she does and so it's continued from there but uh, the second story by angelo torres and dan braun was that had the o henry twist at the end which i i expected there there's one uh, my favorite story in this was probably uh, the two-pager by Hillary Barda, because it's Sammy funny. Davis in it. Yeah, it's funny. It's creepy. Uh, there's a, a nice infusion of paranormal, like the devil-tuned Robert Johnson's guitar, and that's why he was so famous. The um, payment for deals with the devil, in in essence, in just two pages, and uh, Jane Mansfield's in it, and Sammy Davis. It's a really cool illustration of Sammy Davis. Hillary Barda is one of those guys that's been around forever, and has never, in my opinion, received his due. 
in comics because the man's done everything. He's he has art in those big books from DC. He's worked for Bongo Comics. He did the Plastic Man miniseries for DC in '88. Yep. He worked for Image on that uh, what was the name of it? That humor series, a uh, stupid. Remember the the cover where uh, Spawn is there and his cape is all laying on the ground. Oh, like yeah. like what? It's not windy all the time, you know. Uh, he did a lot of What If, which we talked about last week. He worked for America's Best Comics. Hillary Barter has been everywhere, and oh, yeah. he he's one of those guys that has the the EC style. It's very evocative of Wally Wood, but it's kind of cartoony. There's a little bit of Severn in there, a little bit of wonderful style. And then you get Alex Toth. In the end, I was jazzed by this. I was very happy to see it come out this nicely. Yeah, like I, I said, I mean... It's the, creepy. The, I have to buy it. They did a very nice job of uh, exhuming the corpse. If you Right, if you, if you go by the jaded view that almost all comics today are designed to be nostalgic because of who buys them, um, there aren't many, well, there aren't any, I guess, books that are coming out that are like this that are directly evocative of the old... Warren stuff, and so I think right. it definitely achieves that if you're yearning for it. Um, I thought IDW I would. IDW did I, have a, a nice try with uh, Doomed. That was very uh, okay. evocative Read of that. the Warren stuff, but it was very expensive um, too. It was like nine ninety five an issue, so I don't think. Yeah, I mean, the and to be fair, this is this is four ninety nine for forty eight pages, including no ads. No ads. Well, I'm, it's forty right. It's it's forty eight pages of story, so it's it's two. Yeah, it's too. You know, it's 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 that's it's not it's not over. I mean, the four ninety nine. I think I often wonder, like, if you're on the if you're looking on the stand and you're not someone that looks at previews and stuff or pre orders, are you going to be put off by this four ninety nine? Like, if the fact that it's forty eight pages, do people make the mental? Do they do that math in their head and say, well, it's four ninety nine, but it's forty eight pages, so it's actually not that expensive a book? Like, I suspect a lot of people see that four ninety nine and they're just like, oh, I'm not paying four ninety nine for a comic. Even though they'll gladly pay three ninety nine for twenty two pages of story, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but I, I, I also often wonder, like, would they be better off just doing a making this a, a cutting this up into two issues and making it two ninety? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But sorry, no, I'm just saying if you're going to keep with the Warren format and try and do uh, a number of stories per issue, twenty two pages is not going to cut it. Yeah, you're right. But I do hope people will pick this up because what's wrong? What's bad about getting two or three complete stories, maybe one or two continuing stories. Mm-hmm. There's a mock letters page, which I, I hope will be filled with actual letters because I have a letter in the old eerie and creepy. I'm going to try and get a letter in this just to continue my tradition. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's part of my childhood. Yep. War- Warren could do no wrong. And this one story about the fat farm, the woman that, that checks herself into the fat farm, mm-hmm. all the help you need, Brian Chirilla. He's currently working with Phil Hester on the anchor for Boom. Have you okay. seen the preview images for that? Really nice stuff. No. And his art here is very nice, too. Mm-hmm. So all in all, a fantastic package. Some old, some very new, some very good. Some, like the, uh, the Chemical 13, it misses the mark a little bit, but that just could be my personal taste on it. Maybe other people would find it fascinating. I don't know. Sure. I do like the very painterly art, but kind of disturbing. Maybe that's what they're going for. I don't mm-hmm. know. Angelo Torres, the master, he was in Beautiful the very stuff, first issue might, of Creepy, yeah. so it's ap- appropriate that he show up here. Definitely my favorite art in the book. The guy's a legend. Hey, 11 o'clock comics. Tom here. First time caller. I'm reading Amazing Spider-Man 599. It's the 
final American Son issue. And page 15 here, we've got Norman Osborn talking to Harry. And he tells him, I'm quoting here, so spoiler alerts to anyone who hasn't read this yet or is waiting to pick it up and trade. I spent decades trying to forge you into the son I deserve, only because I couldn't conceive a viable child. And believe me, I tried vigorously. I'm thinking, uh, sins past, erased? I don't know that we ever had confirmation on that before, that one more day erased Norman and Gwen Stacy's kids, but holy shit, I think I'm finally done with one more day. Thanks. Hey, 11 O'Clock Comics, Tom here again. Now I'm a second-time caller. David, we haven't heard from you. Wood is talking his balls off. Why don't you talk a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) All right, hold on. I got to bend over and pick up one of my balls. It fell off. Oh, there it is. All right. <laughs> talk some oh, Marvel. You got to catch up because there was no Marvel noise last week. We talked Spider-Man. <sighs> yeah, we did. We did. Not I have solo uh, though. No, I have uh, <laughs> Uncanny X-Men First Class that I still have to read. I didn't read that yet. Well, that's not um, doing any us any good. So no, it sure ain't. Um, <laughs> what do you think about this Necrotia crossover oh, that's, that's coming question. up? Yeah. Uh it will be in the pages of what X Force, X Force, New Mutants, New Mutants and, and X Men Legacy because right. Carrie's writing part of it. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to keep getting Legacy, even though as much as I love Mike Carrie's writing and I think it's a great book, and I think he could probably do something funky with the characters of of Rogue Gambit and Danger. Um, there's going to be an art change. Oh, she's in the book. Oh, jeez. There's going to be an art change, which might be a good jumping-off point. Scott Eaton's doing that, isn't he? No, unfortunately. He, he was doing it, and uh, he um, I don't know if he's doing the latest issue. There's um, Mr. Daniel Kuhn is going to be the artist oh, on X-Men right. Legacy. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so it's a good <laughs> jumping-off point for Vince. Um so I think I'm still reading New Mutants. Actually, I have the third issue. I, I came home to a box yesterday of of, uh, of a bunch of stuff and um, Exiles and, and Cable and the first issue of Marvin Davis is in it. So, I mean, there's a few things I'm making my way through. But uh, I, I know it's something that Kyle and Yost have been working towards in uh, in the pages of X-Force. It's something I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out. But mm-hmm. as far as getting, got to get every issue or read about everything. I mean, don't forget, there, there was a time where I was away from the X-Men for a long time. And I, I only know about Genosha because of, well, of what other people have said, but because I read the first few issues in the Morrison New X-Men Omnibus. So, so let's set it up just so everybody yes. knows what we're talking about. From what I have read on the comics news sites, the legacy virus has mutated. And it is reanimating the dead. Dead mutants. Yes, right. Dead, dead mutants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from the reaction on a certain website, the fans seem to think it's a little bit too close to comfort to Blackest Night. Oh, the horror. No, I mean, what do you think? Obviously, there is that whole reanimating the dead angle, and Blackest Night is not the first to do that, but it is currently the project that's at the forefront of DC and for Marvel to do something like this. And I know it's been building up since early days of X-Force, 
Kyle and Yost have set this up from two years ago. So it doesn't, in your opinion, is it a little too close? Or based on the fact we haven't seen anything, just on the premise alone, what do you think? I, I've never really, I don't think I've, I've ever really been one to seriously, when it comes time to sit down and read the stories that are presented to me, I've never really weighed them against each other, what one company is doing and, and whether or not, I just let each one stand on its own. So whether right. I, I just don't look at it like, okay, well, like when you go back to Identity Disc and, and, uh, and Identity Crisis and, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, I mean, they've, whether you, they're blatant swipes or, or, or jabs at the other company or the guys down the street, but like all of a sudden a storyline that's been going on for over a year now and probably even sooner because, you know, Genosha's been blowed up for how long? Yeah, long time. I, for Marvel to scramble. And, and, and they're gonna, so they're gonna do it with, with the X-Men. Like if, if they really wanted to copy an idea or, or try to persuade people that their, the dead come back event is better than the other guys, they, they wouldn't make it bigger or, or, or use bigger characters. I mean, if, if, if this is the return of, well, no, he's already returned. He's in space. But if, if this is the return of like, you know, Cypher, I mean, seriously, that, that's what's gonna compete against Blackest Night. I did not read Endsong. Where did Gene die? Was it was it on Earth or was it some space thing? Like she like was the uh, well, from what I, I didn't finish the omnibus, but what uh, I thought she was with uh, with Logan in space, heading towards the sun, and that was in the, that was during the Morrison run. I, it was I, it may have been was it even during the Sylvester issues, but or maybe Jimenez. Well, End Song was that miniseries. Didn't oh, she? the thing with uh, was that Carrie who wrote that? I think it was Carrie. I was assuming that she died in that. I thought that was may- maybe not a. I see. I didn't. I didn't read that. I thought that had to do with the cuckoos or something like that. I, I don't know. It did have to do with the cuckoos, but I'm trying to. Okay. Well, it all runs together. If Gene died on Earth, wouldn't this be a way to bring back Phoenix? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jason's making with the clicky, but well, no, I, I think it is very similar. But in my opinion, if they could, and, and Kyle and Yost have an excellent track record as far as I'm concerned, if and Carrie too. If if they can tell a compelling story and I don't have to buy fifty two books a month to keep up with it, because like we said, it's it, from what we know now, it's only going to be in one initial Necrotia one shot and then three X books. Right. Yeah. And I don't buy Legacy, but if if I enjoy the first issue and I always enjoy X Force, obviously, I'm going to buy into this because I. I a good X story to me, you know, especially when they're dealing with Genosha, which is one of those dangling th- plot threads from from way back that w- was very compelling to me because Jesus, a whole continent, yeah, got wiped out. Well, yeah, the thing about this is, I, I understand. <laughs> Look, the three of us don't really know if Blackest Night had anything to do with them saying, well, we should do an under story too. I, I don't, I'd like to think it, it doesn't, it's coincidence. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm naive, but I don't, I'm with David, I don't really care though, ultimately. Right. Like in the sense that, it's not like out of the blue, they're like, you know what, let's scrap whatever we were doing until a zombie story. <laughs> I mean, because again, you know, you could play this game, Marvel and DC both have long histories of stories that are eerily similar to one another, right? right. I mean, right. and characters that are, you know which came first. Every you could you could name you know a list of fifty characters from DC and say, oh well, Marvel came up with that analog first, and vice versa. So I mean, I think there's always a little something. I do think they obviously pay attention to what each other are doing, but at the same point in time, this particular story, at least as it's been explained to me, is a pretty natural 
progression of subplots that have been going on in the X-Books for a long time. I mean, the the main villain of, of Necrotia, as I understand it, is going to be Selene. Right. And Selene has been, number one, a long-time ex-villain. Number two, she was one of the, the, the big villains that, that didn't lose her powers in M-Day. We found that out. She was heavily involved in X-Force, um, and and all of this stems out of that X-Force storyline. I mean, you know, Eli Bard and the Magus, that all was in X-Force, and he was doing all that uh, to, to appease Selene in the first place. So, I, I mean, I, this all, you know, again, this just kind of seems like a natural progression of of uh, you know a few arcs ago in, in one of these books so i don't know i mean we'll have to see how it reads but and she's um, hot I'm, yeah but i'm totally with david i like celine i think she's badass she's super powerful and it just it makes sense to me i mean yeah. you know i mean do i read marvel zombies 4 and say oh that's i mean you know it's it, i don't know i mean just just tell good stories ultimately each story will stand on its own i mean and, and nothing uh pricks up my ears like transmode virus <laughs> Because Which has made a huge comeback between the cosmic stuff and the yeah. X stuff. It's it's back in it with a vengeance. And who's normally associated with the transmode virus aside from Warlock? Cable and Cable's my man. So I, I'm in. The, I'm I actually in the uh, probably the, f- the first time in a long, long time I dropped a few mutant books, uh, and it was uh, it, it was I dropped Cable and Dark Wolverine last month. I am. Um, how could you drop cable? Well, one I can understand, but yeah, <laughs> the, the, the cable one's confusing me. To be honest, uh, I read Dark Wolverine number seventy-five because I guess I already pre-ordered it. Um, it wasn't it wasn't horrible, but I, I am again. I'm not saying he's a bad artist, but for whatever, um, Steven Segovia does not do it for me, and he is going to be in doing this Dark Wolverine, and it just does not do anything for me. So that plus Dokken was enough for me to say, you know what? Yeah. I feel I feel bad for Marjorie Lou because I, I like what she did in uh in the NYX sequel and, and mm-hmm. what I've seen of her work, it's it impresses me. It's just I, I feel there's there's no other draw. I mean Daniel Way has proven himself as, as a Wolverine writer, even if it's not, you know, the real Wolverine, but mm-hmm. it is just it's you know, you look at your budget and something's just gotta go and yeah. and you know, and but it and it's not like I'll never read it. I mean, I'll get a trade. Totally. But yeah. it's just I, I just hope that, you know, people don't look at it and go, Well, she never hit a home run. It's like, well, dude, you saddled her with fucking Dakin, so yeah. And yeah. besides, Dakin's not all that. I mean Spider Man kicked his ass in a couple seconds flat, so Yeah. True. He, he, and, and as, as to cable, it's just a matter of um you know I love the character, Vince. I mean I I am a huge <laughs> we joked about Lee Field earlier. I, I, I love Rob Lee Field because uh, you know, I'm a Deadpool guy, I'm a big cable fan, love strife, love the whole thing, but I I'm just that book I need to, I just need to take a break from it. I just uh this late this next arc the I I dropped off with the start of this new arc. They're they're heading to space. Um, and I just uh, I don't I don't need to read Cable in space like I don't it's just not <laughs> Nathan's just weeping kinda, I just, he's crying I'm just uh, his, his good eyes just, crying <laughs> yeah look I mean I you know I I went back and bought a lot of the '90s X books that I never got around to buying when they were on the shelves uh, you know years ago when I got back into what I you know I probably end up picking these Cable issues up at a at a con sometime of it but but for now I don't I, I don't need to. I'm fine taking a break from my boy Nathan. I miss Blacksmith. <laughs> hey, you know what? And and seriously, when when all is said and done, I mean, we look back and Watchmen, you know, what, didn't ship on time. Camelot three thousand 
took forever to finally finish. And is someone really going to four years from now say, oh, I was going to read Necrotia, but it was such a ripoff of Blackest Night. Who's <laughs> really going to care what was going on when it was happening? If, if you read it and you enjoy it, then that's all that matters. Yeah, right. I'm not pointing fingers either because I'm not one to take sides between Marvel and DC. I don't really care. But I'm very interested that beautiful Clayton Crane image that they had on, on Newsarama. Oh, he won me over. I just love that man's work. Love it. David does that's too. All you. David does that's, too. That's all you, baby. Hello, 11 o'clock comics. Uh, this is Chris from Indiana. And on your discussion about underappreciated comic series, I just wanted to throw in Poison Elves. I love the series. And when Drew Hayes passed away, I felt that was greatly uh, saddening to me, and no one seemed to notice it or report on it. So I just want to throw that in. Thanks for the show, guys. Bye. And speaking of loving someone's work, I didn't read this book yet, but I did thumb through it. Uh, it was in my DCBX box for this month. It's from Asylum Press. And it's the first book I've ever purchased from Asylum Press. Mm -hmm. It's called Fearless Dawn, issue number one. Okay. It, it Sounds is, like a ripoff of Cry for Dawn to me. <laughs> it is written and <laughs> illustrated by Steve Mannion. This guy's art is head spinning. It is so wow. good. Take a stylistic mix of Dave Stevens and Wally Wood, Betty Page style good girl art, throw in some Hillary Barta slapstick hijinks, and some Wrightson-esque creatures, and you have Fearless Dawn. Wow. From what I can see, like I said, I didn't read it, but visually it's stunning. You get some, some Airboy-esque airplanes, some Nazi monsters, and smoking hot chicks who, to me, resemble Betty Page. It's in color. It's 22 pages for... Two ninety five. This issue came. The front cover signed for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe that was the deal through DCBS. But don't go to Asylum Press to check this out because for whatever reason, you know when you go to a, a website and that red screen comes up, reported attack site. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Asylum Press site's doing that. Go Yikes. to www.fearlessdawn.com and check it out. I, I guarantee anyone who loves. Good art is going to dig on this. It is amazing. But they're having a problem, Asylum Press, with this new Diamond Minimum Order bullshit. Oh, okay. And publish, uh, CEO Frank Forte had this to say on Newsarama. Although we received 1,200 orders for Fearless Dawn number 1, we simply didn't meet Diamond's purchase order benchmark, explained mm -hmm. Frank Forte, Asylum Press CEO. 1,200 is a sin significant order for us, especially considering the state of the marketplace. Good customer service is the key to any successful business, and we simply cannot de deny demand for our products. Steve Mannion is a master at hilarious in-your-face fun, and we expect this book to do quite well. If you would like a copy of this book, after going to that website and seeing how gorgeous it is, badger your local comic book store to contact Frank Forte at AsylumPress.AOL.com and order you one. Fearless Dawn number one cover price is two ninety-five. A 60% discount to comic shops is $1.18. Asylum Press will pay the shipping. Net 30 days for payment. I'm reading from the Newsarama 
blog thing. And uh, there are no minimums. You can order one. You can order a hundred. This is a worthwhile book. It's a new creator, relatively new. Far and away, some of the best work I've seen in a long time. It's got an EC feel to it, and it has a golden age kind of edge to it at the same time. The character designs are brilliant, just smoking hot women. There's a lot of cheesecake in it. Wood, I know you're going to like this. I was going to say this is right up my alley. Yes. <laughs> it, I missed it, it. Was it? Did you just catch the solicit? What made you? Because uh, I, I don't remember seeing this. He did a graphic novel called The Bomb that uh, it's 176 pages. Marty bought it. The local shop only had one, mm -hmm. so I, I didn't get a chance to get it. But, again, I was immediately struck by just how gorgeous the art is. Very mm -hmm. Dave, Steven, uh, Dave Stevens-esque mm -hmm. with with a little bit of, like I said, Wrightson and Wally Wood thrown in for good measure. That's not a bad thing right there. Interesting characters on the aliens and uh, monsters. It's just awesome stuff. Check it out. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. Go to www.fearlessdawn.com and look for yourself. You will be stunned at how nice this is. Sweet. So badger your local comic shop owner. Get me a copy of this. Screw Diamond. Go through a different channel to get it, and you'll be uh, glad you did because magnificent work. And next week I'll have it read, so I'll talk about the actual story. Cool. So. But I wanted to plug it before uh, it gets cold. Nice. Uh, I just want to get a, a couple quick rants in. I got a rant. Rants? Rants are good. Equal we opportunity ranting, though. I got we don't do rants. much of that. Three quick rants. Oh, I think I know what one of them is. Yeah, I'll start with the first one because I mentioned this to you boys earlier. Doing a little reading, totally into the Blackest Night, the Green Lantern stuff. Obviously, we talk about it all the time. Bought the uh, Tales of the of the Core, the three one-shots. The first two had no issues with it. You know, they already expected them to be. They were... Uh, you know, little vignettes about uh, different members of different cores. It's all good. You know, I assume some of them will play big roles in, in the in the event or what have you. But even if not, you know, we got some good art, whatever. Issue three rolls around. Looking at it, looks pretty cool. It's got on the cover, it's got uh, Carol Ferris as Star Sapphire battling uh, Atrocitus and the leader of the Indigo tribe, which we really haven't learned much about yet. So I'm thinking, cool. You know, that's the payoff. We're gonna we're gonna find out a little bit about this Indigo tribe. If this is what this this is the book. Start reading it. Nope. One shot here, one shot. Then all of a sudden, halfway through the book, we bring you the director's cut of Blackest Night number zero. So I already got Blackest Night number zero. Now they gave me another copy of Blackest Night number zero. The only difference being they insert little uh, pop-up word balloons from Johns and the editors and Tomasi and the, and the guys just, just talking about the book. And No way. Um, now look, I, I got nothing against director's cuts, and they show the pencils of the book too. So if you're into that, but and I got nothing against books that show the pencils. But I, honestly, I it was three ninety nine. I, I would like to have known that that's what I was getting because I may have opted to buy the director's cut of a book, but I wouldn't have opted to buy the director's cut of a free comic book day ten page vignette book or whatever it was. So I I was. Bummed about that, so so that's my rant on DC. I'll leave it at that. Look, I mean, I'm that's not... something that you reserve for a hardcover collection. That's not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and again, yeah. you you'll be paying for it there too, ultimately. But mm -hmm. yeah, it would have been nice to. I don't recall the solicit for that. If that was nor do I, although advertised I, I that way. I, I think if it was explicitly in the solicit, I wouldn't have ordered the book. But whatever, um, it, it may have been my fault for for not reading the solicit. Who knows? My Marvel rant. You guys know I've been loving. The Pet Avengers book, Locked on the Pet Avengers. Oh, I mean, shit. my boys, my boys ask me to read it every single night that I come home. I mean, they love the book. The art is phenomenal. Iguera is a beast. It's it's a, just a great book. It's an all it's a wonderful all ages book. 
um, I was, in spite of reading the issues, because we're reading them so much, I really was looking forward to buying the uh, collected edition because it's one of those books I know my, my kids will want to read all the time. So I want to have the, you know, a more durable version. The trade, well, the hardcover is solicited in the the uh, this month's previews. Uh, no issue with it being a hardcover because, look, that's the business. You know, put the hardcover first, put out the trade later. So that's cool, whatever. Um, and I know hardcovers cost a little more. But, dude, this is a four-issue, 22-page miniseries that they are soliciting in previews for twenty four ninety nine. Ooh, are you sure there's not any extra material in there? There is extra material, but in my opinion, it is, it's crap because there are a couple stories from Marvel from the digital that were only listed on the digital site which were little vignettes about these characters. Again, fine and dandy, but in my opinion, not the, the artwork was not anywhere near the caliber of, of the main story. So I, to me, that's filler. It's not a reason to raise the price of a book. And then they throw in the, um, the Marvel Pets handbook, which is basically like the Ohatmu issue that they put out of the Marvel Pets, which, again, I already bought that. So, you know, and in and of itself, I don't know that Ohatmu pages should, should, should warrant they, they're basically serving as filler to justify the higher price. So, unfortunately, I'm not. I can't buy a four issue. What's it? It's hard a four issue limited series for twenty five bucks. I can't do it. So that's that's my. Is it oversized or standard size? I think it's premier hardcover size. So it's okay. a little bit bigger, maybe. It's um, standard size. And then my last uh, rant is to Vince's boys at IDW. I had read the first read of All Hell Megatron and tread lightly, uh, tread very <laughs> lightly. You know, I didn't love it, but I liked it. I ordered the second trade because I liked the first one enough and Vince's enthusiasm for it afterwards was enough for me to want to read the second trade. Curiously, I, I, saw, I noticed that the third trade was solicited very quickly after the second trade and thought, oh, wow, maybe they're just catching up. In this case, I'm glad I actually did read the solicit because, in my opinion, this is a little bit Bush League. It's solicited as Transformers All Hail Megatron Volume 3, which, again, I think most people would see that and think, okay, I've been reading this series. This is the third in series. In fact, if you read the solicit, it's actually a collection of these one-shots that they've been doing, which the one-shots, again, may be high-quality stuff, but to my understanding, they are not the next six issues in the All Hail Megatron series. They're a collection of one-shots that tangentially tie into this continuity. Oh, you need that, to read them, though. I think it's Bush League. I, oh, no, 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 no. The, the, are they Transformers Spotlight issues? Yeah. Ah, oh, no. You need, they're doing you a favor. They're broadening <laughs> your Transformers horizon. You need to read yeah, see, those. I'm not down with that. I, I, I'm not no, you should be down horizon. with that. Oh, good. All I'm uh, saying to you, to you publishers is we are a very loyal and ardent fan base. We spend lots of money on a hobby, and we don't give you a lot of grief about how much you charge us. But all I ask is just just be honest. Don't try and don't, don't bait and switch us. Okay, be truthful with your advertising. That's all I'm asking. I think that's a fair thing to ask as a fan. Coming from IDW's corner, All Hail Megatron is arguably the most popular Transformers series in the last 10 years. Sure. Can, can you fault them for trying to capitalize on that just a little bit by enhancing your experience of All Hail Megatron proper with these spotlight issues that will flesh out questions. You, they, they will answer your questions you will have. I'm, I guarantee it. They're not doing you a disservice by, by calling it All Hail Megatron. Okay, but let's just play devil's advocate. Okay. Let's say um, you know Marvel puts out these new Avengers uh, you know, premier uh, hardcovers that people like to buy. Right. Let's say 
we all of a sudden get a solicit for new Avengers, and I don't know what volume they're up to because I buy the issues. But let's say it's they're already the, they're at the volume ten or twelve. Let's say let's say they they come out the next month with with num- with with new Avengers Prima Hardcover n- volume thirteen, and a lot of people are going to buy that because they buy it in trade. And let's say though that instead. Knew they wanted to expose you to the joys of <laughs> Avengers Initiative and Reptile and Scroll Kill Crew, right. so they threw those in and renamed it. I just let's playing Devil's Advocate. You would have an internet shitstorm of epic proportions, <laughs> I as would. well as people because they're not they're not big ass robots. That's why they <laughs> lose their effing minds and claim evil Marvel trying to rip us off. It's bad enough. But you know, so I just I thought fair was fair. As yeah. I was reading the solicits, I thought, well, that's a little bit on the shady side for IDW to do, especially because yeah, it, it was is. already all set to continue and support them. And that's again, it's a nitpick. I understand to anyone listening, I, I'm being negative and nitpicky right now. I realize that. I just wanted to get these three things off my chest. They're minor things in the grand scheme of things, but they were, you know, I just thought a little just bit do, of shenanigans. Just do me a favor, order it. Order volume three. <laughs> no, seriously, those spotlight issues are tight. And and, uh, and they're 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 like Pulp Fiction. They have an overarching theme, but you get these little vignettes featuring certain characters. These stories matter, and they weave into this grand tapestry of Cybertronian history. You need to get it. Please get it. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it. Fantastic art, excellent stories, just beautiful paper. You can't go wrong with IDW's Transformers books. Unless they're somehow connected to the movies, then you don't buy them. Just, just pretend they're not there. Not the best. But, yeah, I'm sad that you feel that way. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't want to make you sad, especially on your birthday. It's all right. It's not my yeah. birthday yet. So you can make me Soon. feel sad. No, really. Half hour, boo. Yeah, got to get them. <laughs> All right. As usual, this episode is sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Spectacular discounts, excellent service and packing and shipping. It's all super professionally done, and you will save a hell of a lot of money. DCBService.com. They're good people. And if you're in the Chicago area this weekend, they will have a presence at Wizard World Chicago. You could stop by and see Zach and Cameron and say hi and get some really good discounts on your books and take them home that day. That's what I'm going to do. Do you it. Should. And I'll be there, too. You can stop by and say hi to me if you can find me. Well, if, you're a woman, if, if you're a woman, I'll find you. Yeah, you guys have a great that? time. I mean, that's uh, we want to hear lots of stories. You, uh, say what's up to all our peeps out there. Should, yep. be, should be a blast. Looking forward to it. Going to have a lot of fun. Warm up the city because David and I are Cummins Correct in six weeks. <laughs> what was that? You're... We're Cummins Correct, baby. What does that mean? <laughs> I, mean I have means, no idea what that means. <laughs> means we're going to do it upright. Oh, do it upright. Okay. <laughs> I'm, see, I'm not down with the, with the talk. You guys get started on the forum sometimes, and I have no idea what's being said. None. It's like, it's like we need Garrett Morris screaming what you're actually saying to me in the background. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Dropping SNL science on you. Nice. In your travels, do yourself a whole bunch of favors and 
pick up Fearless Dawn, number one, from Asylum Press. If your LCS doesn't have it, make them get it. I'm sweating just looking at it. It's so sexy. Read uh, uh, Madame Xanadu. Yeah, yeah, I got the trade of that in the, in nice. the box. Yes. Well, then I'm gonna... hurry up and read it so we can talk about the first ten issues. I'll do that okay. for next time. Okay. And okay. By, all, by all means, people, if you haven't already done so, start reading Nexus. Yeah. And for Chris, uh, read Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> for Chris, or, read X-Force, because it's that good. It's or, got an X Chris, in it, read it. Yep. What Chris would really probably say this this week, in the, uh, uh, make sure you pre-order Stumptown, Mr. Greg Rucka's new, uh, new in- creator-owned work. You know what else was in my box? <laughs> oh. Besides a dildo? Bean World Volume 2, baby. Oh, it's, shit. It's, it's coming. I'm going to hit your asses with more beans. Oh, one yeah. other thing I wanted to throw out there before we ha- before we uh, say say adieu. Uh, did you bastards get a look at the absolute obscenely magnificent piece of artwork that Mr. Tom Fowler did for me? Not yes, yet. not yet. It was blocked at work, dude. You're not at work right now. I know, but I'm not going to fire up the browser now because we're recording. Oh, my Lord, yeah. Well, the reason I bring it up is number one, it's fantastic and and much love to Tom Fowler for 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 drawing it for me, and you can check out our forums uh, at. Uh, uh, forms.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or 11o'clockcomics.com uh, and you can search for Tom Fowler and you'll see a thread in there with a couple different commissions he's done for Chris and myself and uh, a couple other people I can't remember who but but some really cool stuff but I wanted to mention it because not only is it, 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 did it deserve its props but I believe Tom if he's listening he'll let us know for sure but I believe he is still open for a few commissions um which uh, you'd be doing yourself a favor to, to get if you if you like original art, I'd say get a commission from Tom Fowler now because I got a suspicion if you don't do it now, it's going to be hella more expensive in a year or two <laughs> when this that, dude blows up. So that Thor image is sick. That is it's that is sick. You can feel Thor. the power coursing through those big, gorgeous sinewy arms. Not that I like men, but that's no, a damn no. good image. But you yeah. sure can act like it. <laughs> Hold me, David. All right. Thank you for being with us. Go out and buy lots of comics. Stop by uh, the Windy City Comic Con September 19th. And this weekend, go to Wizard World Chicago, and we'll all have a party and have a good time. Yeah, see a lot of our friends. Party in my pants. Everybody's coming. Oh, boy. Thank you. Yeah. Not an image I want in my head at this time. (laughs) See you, people. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you.